only thing we have to fear is fear itself. The National Weather Service has issued a severe thunderstorm warning. Welcome. To the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast, where prepping doesn't have to be complicated or expensive. Coming to you from a well-defended off-grid compound high in the mountains. Coming to you from his Florida room in Richmond, Virginia. Neither off-grid nor well-defended, unless you count as chickens and cats, here is your host, Keith. Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast, episode 57. Today is September 11th, 2023. I kicked around the idea of recording a podcast at least a dozen times in my head, and just a few minutes ago, I decided to go ahead and put one together. As everybody knows, today is the 22nd anniversary of the attack on 9-11, September 11, 2001. As far as what I was doing on that day, I was a road officer, a patrolman for the police department. And I was actually working overtime day work. Had a chance to work overtime every once in a while, but not too often. Normally work three to midnight. And the night before, the call came out requesting officers to work overtime. So I figured I'd go ahead and get some extra money, work some overtime on 9-11. Up until that point in my career as a patrolman, I never turned on the AM FM radio in my police car. I always concentrated on the police radio calls being dispatched, and things like that. But for some reason, that morning, I turned on the radio and turned it to, I don't even know, 1140, I think, WRVA, I think is the one of the local, or probably the most popular and famous local AM channel here in Richmond. I remember turning it on, and it was just on for a few seconds, and the gentleman, no idea who the commentator was or who the DJ was, but he said something to the effect it doesn't matter who you pray to. It's like if you pray to God or, and he went on a couple, three different gods or deities. He said, it doesn't make a difference who you pray to, but please pray for those people in New York. And now we're going to cut to Peter Jennings with ABC News in New York City. I'm like, okay. And then they cut into Peter Jennings, who had apparently had just started the broadcast on TV, and they're carrying it via the radio as well. It's it's really ingrained in my in my brain exactly where I was, which direction I was facing, what road I was on, and I just continued to drive. I was in my beat, and I just continued to drive down the road. And about fifteen minutes later, I got a call for service, and the call was a vandalism at a. A, a business, a commercial establishment, a very, very small, what was going to be an office park, but still under construction. They were doing some renovation in one section, then some new construction. And it was meet, I'm not sure, meet Mr. Jones reference. Uh, somebody broke into the area under construction, turned on all the water, the sinks and everything over the weekend. And it basically flooded most of the new construction. You know, Mr. Jones will be in a black Mercedes, something like that. So I went ahead and acknowledged the call, marked in route. And I was only about five minutes away for that. And I remember pulling up the little hill in this big gravel driveway area that'll eventually be a parking lot when it's paved over. And there was the black Mercedes that was facing me. 
An officer dictates and common sense dictates that you never pull up next to a vehicle unless you know exactly who's in it. But this was different. He was on his cell phone and he had the windows up. So I pulled up next to him like driver's door to driver's door, just inches apart. I rolled down my window and he held up a finger like, give me a second. I said, sure. So I continued to listen to Peter Jennings for a few more minutes and he rolled his window down. He introduced himself. I introduced myself and we each could tell that we both were aware. Well, we were aware of what was going on or what we were being told what was going on in New York and lower Manhattan. And he says, officer, I know you probably have a million more things to do, a million more things more important than somebody, a bunch of kids breaking in and turning water on in this new construction and flooding, flooding the area. And for the first time in my career, I said, you're right. You're right. I think we all have more important things right now. Now, until that point, what my answer was, and it was the truth, if someone had a, you know, someone's neighbor's dog was barking and keep keeping them up all night, if they said, officer, you probably have 50 other things you need to be doing right now. I would say, no, if it's important enough for you to call the police and get me here, that's important enough for me to take care of it. And I would say that about the barking dog, the runaway, someone knocked over a mailbox, whatever it happened to be. But this was a situation where we both agreed there were bigger things going on that needed to be addressed at some point. His situation was that the Pentagon had just been hit and he had crews working in a part of the Pentagon that was doing some renovation. So Apparently, he has crews all over the place, contractors, whatever. And he said, you know, I really I really need to try to get a hold of these folks at the Pentagon to make sure everybody's okay. I'm not sure what wing they were working in, you know, what level. And I said, I understand. He goes, this can wait. You go take care of what you need to, to do. And he says, and he goes, and I'm, and I'm going to D.C. So I wished him luck. He wished me luck, told each other to be safe, and he drove off. And I'm not really sure if he ever even came back and decided to officially make that report of the vandalism. So I continued to drive around. The second tower fell. And probably within about 15 or 20 minutes of the second tower falling, the sergeant came over the radio and asked all available units that weren't actively on a call for service to report to the precinct. And I did. And there was about four or five other officers that had made it there. And just a little bit of background of what the sergeant is, is about to say, the police chief we had at the time was, I think, retired New York State Police Superintendent, I believe, and had worked Virginia State Police Superintendent. And he was on some sort of committee, like the President's Committee on Technology for Law Enforcement. I believe it was a committee, and what they tried to do was bridge some of the technology that the military had and then move it into the law enforcement world. For example, armored vehicles like the Bearcat, that sort of thing that had their that had their nexus, their genesis in military applications, then came to law enforcement. Anyway, he had connections obviously in DC. And so then Sergeant said, How many of you can be back here within 30 minutes with a bag packed for three days? You're going to the Pentagon. Now the Pentagon's in Arlington, Virginia. Now, I'm a police officer that does not have jurisdiction outside of my county. I certainly don't have jurisdiction in Arlington, Virginia. Like I said, former that, at that time, the chief of police was former Virginia State Police Superintendent. He had connections. He made a call. Somebody made a call 
and said, how many officers can you get to the Pentagon? And then how quickly can they get there? Because it's in within this, it's in the Commonwealth of Virginia. State police were there, obviously providing probably an outer perimeter. And of course, they would need to be relieved at some point and, and so on. So I volunteered and I was, I was one of those officers that was able to get back in, in a pretty, in pretty short order with um, a bunch of stuff crammed into a, 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 a small backpack. Not really sure if I had three days of, of clothes or not, but I shoved everything in there that, was, that happened to be clean. I probably shoved some dirty clothes in there as well. But in the end, we did not, we did not have to go to the Pentagon. Made contact with family members and and friends to make sure that you know they were okay. I did not have any friends or family in New York or at the Pentagon. Continued work and actually worked my evening shift as well. Once we got more information, my goodness, it was for the first few days after that, every citizen that saw somebody that they didn't recognize somebody with a hoodie on, they called the police and we had to obviously respond. I think a lot of people were overreacting, very nervous. So they certainly didn't want to be the person that didn't say something. And to be honest, to a a degree, I I understand why people would want to call in everything because we really didn't know until several days later what exactly we were dealing with. I remember uh, there is a, a military installation in my beat, uh, Defense General Supply Center. It's changed name several different times. I believe at the time it was the largest supply depot on the East Coast. And there's everything from, you know, from tanks to toilet paper. And it was really odd because prior to 9-11, you could drive on, just drive on to almost any military post and just wave. There was no ID checks, no search of cars, none of that. You know, you could be in your personal vehicle and you could just drive up to a military installation, certain ones, and you could just drive through and just sightsee. But obviously that changed and that particular uh, military depot went into lockdown. Guards, that were, most of them were retired military that were contracted. Um, they brought out the long guns, you know, ARs, that sort of thing. And that's what they were standing, you know, at the guard shack at the entrances. And they were letting very few people out and even fewer people in. But kept a close eye on that place. And then as the Gulf War starts, tanks and missiles and everything else went out on trains and, and flatbeds and stuff out of that place almost almost 24-7. But it was really surreal having to work. And I didn't, there weren't a lot of calls for service that night. Domestics, runaways, people being loud, loud music. Because I think everybody understood or had a good understanding of what was happening. And that really the dog barking or somebody being a pain in the butt really isn't that important when all those people lost their lives at the Pentagon, at New York, and in Pennsylvania. It kind of put everything into perspective. Like most Americans, we have the attention span of a gnat and that we don't really remember a lot of things you know, in, the, in the proper context. Now, I know I do, and every September 11th is a very, a very somber, a very sad day. Now, I didn't lose any friends or family members, but a lot of people did lose their lives, and we were certainly attacked on, home, on our home soil, 
And as far as our response, that's, that's for a different podcast or not even for a different podcast. because There's no real, no real need to get into that. But it was amazing how everybody came together. On the way into work this morning, I was listening to some talk show folks. They were talking about experiences. They were playing some sound bites and other people, what they were doing on 9-11. And it's amazing how everybody came together. And it's, sometimes it's really sad. It's a sad commentary on society that it takes something like that for everybody to come together. It's great that we come together, but on the opposite side of the coin, it's kind of sad that it takes that type of disaster to bring people together. I remember in the few days after that, when I was working or in my personal vehicle off duty, there were lines 30, 40, 50, 150 people long outside churches. I'm sure some of these people have never been to church. I'm sure a church could hit them in the ass and they wouldn't recognize it. But people felt the need to go to church, houses of worship, and pray or just talk or do whatever they thought they needed to do. But driving down the street and seeing a line of people to get into all these churches, big and small, was just surreal to me. And I think that kind of puts it into context or provides some sort of relative meaning that it was that significant of an event that millions of people did a lot of soul searching and decided that for whatever reason they needed to go to a church and talk or pray, and that's just what they thought they needed to do. And that was absolutely fine. In very stressful situations, people people react in ways that they normally would not. If that's what they thought they needed to do, was to go talk to somebody, pray for the very first time in their life, then that is absolutely the right thing to do. Once they grounded all the airplanes, I remember I was on the highway, I had the top off the Jeep. Richmond International Airport is pretty busy, and we're in the flight path of all sorts of different uh, different flights and different airports, as well as, I believe, Naval Air Station Oceana down at Virginia Beach. Still had the squadrons of, of F-14s there before they got rid of them. So it was not uncommon to see military aircraft in the Richmond area, Virginia Beach, and everywhere in between. You see the con- contrails of airplanes all day long, but knowing that no flights were in the air, no planes were in the air, there was a complete ground stop just to look up in the air as I was driving down the interstate, not to see a plane that day, again, was just weird, surreal. I couldn't believe it was happening. Something that significant, and it was decided that no planes were going in the air until they got a handle on the situation. Again, just something else just to kind of demonstrate the the enormity of what happened on 9-11. Now, going back to the attention span or lack thereof, on East September 11th, I'll go to YouTube, I'll go to other websites, I'll look at the videos of the planes hitting the towers, the situation at the Pentagon, and then Flight 93, Shanksville, Pennsylvania, I believe. And I think it's very important, although I remember that day very vividly, I think, in my opinion, it's very important not to forget what happened. And I think we get away from that, especially with the way our children are educated these days. They're not taught history. You know, they're taught what the SOL standards of learning, that test that everybody has to pass so the the school gets accredited, so the school gets money. They teach this exam. 
They don't teach history. They don't teach 9-11. They don't teach the Civil War, World War One, whatever it happens to be, the Great Depression, you know, Teddy Roosevelt, a few other presidents. They don't they don't teach that anymore. So now that it's been twenty-two years, you have a generation of people who were not born then or who were tiny babies then. And I'm pretty sure that the only way someone who's 15, 16, 18, 19 years old, the only way that they've become aware of September 11th, 2001 from their parents or from their friends, extended family members, I doubt seriously in any public school that they actually talk about 9-11. I could be wrong, but I don't think that's a part of many curriculums. So that's why I probably watch later on tonight or tomorrow, the 13 hours of Benghazi, the story, the untold soldiers. That movie is absolute classic. And I watched that movie. Gosh, I probably watched it 20 times. So I may watch that tomorrow or next week. Then I make sure I watch those documentaries. There's all sorts of documentaries about it. Like, you know, just like minute by minute where the planes were, the, the conversation between air traffic control and the hijackers, the conversation between ATC and other pilots, news news crews, eyewitnesses on the ground. You know, it sounds like a cliche, but it's it's important that we do never forget what happened on that day. Anyway, this has been episode fifty-seven, the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast. And as always, folks, please be safe out there. Take care of one another, and until next time. Thanks for listening to the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. While you're at it, help spread the word by leaving a rating and review.